Hello, welcome to the Bush League Gaming Podcast, your source for ordinary opinions from ordinary gamers. Today we are reviewing Tales of the Neon Sea. I'm your host, Jacob Bush, and with me today, his chest hair naturally grows in the shape of the island of Lanai, and he sleeps in his bathtub at night. Your favorite crip boy, Nick Beard. I don't know what's funnier, that entire thing or the island of Lanai, but it's not true. It's not? Are you sure? I'm, I've seen your chest hair, man. It's there. It's that, that's the island. No, no. Unfortunately, I have no chest hair. And while I hate admitting that, it's the truth. No. In my dreams, you have that. Oh, well, good. It's just Nick and I. Uh, Nick actually is the only one who played Tales of the Neon Sea, and I'm here to ask questions and probe his brain. So, <laughs> Tales of the Neon Sea was released on November 14th, 2018 on Steam. But it was released on iOS on October 28th, 2020. It is anticipated to be releasing on Xbox One, Switch, and PS4 in April of 2021, but there's no confirmed date yet. It is currently priced at $3.99 on iOS and $16.99 on Steam. So I did find that interesting that there is that price disparity there. But that is, that is the current price right now. It's developed by Palm Pioneer. It is published by three publishers because it's on a couple different platforms. The publishers are Zodiac Interactive, Thermite Games, and Boak Technology Company. The genre is adventure puzzle. And the art style is right up Nick's alley. It's retro pixel art. And that's, I'm assuming, why you picked this up. Is that kind of right, Nick? 100%. Yeah, I actually saw it on the app store. It said coming soon. And I waited for about a month. There wasn't a date at first. And I I just was excited for a month, but mainly because the art, yeah. So I'm going to go into a brief website description, how they describe themselves. So Tales on the Neon Sea is a retro style pixel art adventure set in a fully realized cyberpunk cityscape where you will encounter numerous items to investigate, curious Easter eggs, and a whole cast of interactive NPCs. You must analyze every detail and discover the truth that lurks behind the heavy mist. Nick, is that a, is that a good description of this game? Yeah, I'd say so. It's obviously the cyberpunk retros in there. uh, But I think in summary, you can think of it as kind of like a twisted detective murder type game. So in in my review, I actually wrote down that if you took Sherlock Holmes, made it really dark and violent and placed it in like an altered carbon setting, that's what you would have here. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. It's a very detailed description. Yeah. I guess, Nick, let's get down to the nitty gritty. What, what did you overall think of Tales of the Neon Sea? Overall, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I will say right up front, I think you mentioned some of it, my love for the pixelated art. And also, if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, you'll know that I'm a huge fan of story. So up front, I was pretty biased to the way that this game is set up. And, and not only that, I'm even more biased by being into kind of murder history. That's like my favorite uh, movie genre. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it completely. Everything in here just scratched, you know, every itch that I could possibly have. And, and I really enjoyed it. Quite a bit of character development, surprisingly, for what I played. You know, I played on my iPad as, as a mobile game. Uh, and there, there was a lot to it. It was there were twists. It was dark. It was challenging at certain times. It was funny at certain times. And the artwork just, you know, kept me in there the entire time, uh, plugged in visually. Well, yeah, speaking to the art, and we, we talked about this on some of our previous episodes on these, on these pixelated games. And you taught me this, but, you know, a lot of these retro style pixel games have different pixel art styles. And I remember you expressing that you do have a preference that typically leans towards kind of what Stardew Valley does with their art. 
How did this do for you personally? Did you, is this, did this speak to your preference when it comes to pixel art or is this a different uh, subgenre? Yeah, it really did. So it was a little bit more pixelated, I guess you would say more rounded as opposed to the pixels in Nine Witches. But this also had kind of a mix. So whenever you were in, engaging in dialogue, the screen would come out the top, the dialogue would be there along a, a photo of the individual speaking. And that photo was not pixelated. That was like a very concise animation of those individuals. So while the entire game and the landscapes were pixelated, there were also some aspects that weren't. And I actually enjoyed that, that combination. But the landscapes in this game is one of the big things. And a lot of it will remind you of walking through like what you might imagine as these dark Tokyo-like places in the future. And so, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It, it's one of my... One of my more favorite, I guess I would say, top tier pixelated art forms. Okay, yeah. And I, I actually watched the trailer for this because I wanted to get an idea of what I, I was coming into. And I must say, pixel art looks fantastic. And it's it's in the name, but there's a ton of neon everywhere. And like you said, it's kind of like a, a bright lit up live Tokyo. It looks very Blade Runner-esque to me. Kind of those yeah. busy city scenes of Blade Runner. And even like the cars look like that. But I just, it has a really cool vibe to it. And that's just off the trailer. That, that's not even playing it. It just looks like it has a very rich art style, right? An art direction there. Yeah, 100%. I think Blade Runner is another great example. While Blade Runner had more of this dark kind of uh, drab feeling to it and Altered Carbon did have a ton of neon and crazy colors. They're both reminiscent of that kind of environment. And uh, yeah, those are two great examples of, of this type of world that you're in. Let's dive into some gameplay, Nick. So from what I could tell and from how they describe it, it's an adventure game with puzzle elements. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, and that's pretty much the gist of it is that you're moving left and right, scrolling. You, you will go up and down and interact with different mechanics in the game, but you're talking to people, you'll stumble upon clues and you'll have to kind of do little puzzles and that's pretty much the gist of it it's pretty narrative driven and it, you know in summary you're chasing down a serial killer and so there's this whole backstory to it but that's the the gist of what you're doing in the game now it's puzzles right adventure puzzles are they correct we've talked about this in the past with other adventure puzzle games are these frustrating? Are they fun? Are they challenging? Are they rewarding? Where do you fall when it comes to the actual development and design of these puzzles? I would say they were all of that. So there were some that were frustrating. There were some that were rewarding. Again, this was a game where I had gotten stuck on a few places and I actually had to like take a break at one point. At another point, I ended up just searching this and, and going, what the heck's going on? Why can't I figure this out? I didn't, didn't know if it was a bug. And so they're pretty challenging there, there are also some unique puzzles. You might come across a dead person and you go into this area where like you're going to use your, you know, like a magnifying glass and you're going to look at this person's body like really close for evidence and clues. And you play as Rex. Rex is a half human, half robot. And he's kind of got this like dark, mysterious, you know, background that they don't really opine on. And so it makes it kind of weirder. But you, you know that he's like this famous detective. And so you actually get to scenes and he kind of uses some of his like, cyber technology robot implants that helps you switch to different visions and kind of look at crime scenes in more detail and maybe see things that the normal human eye wouldn't. Now, when you say that we're kind of stumped and that there were, you maybe were considering if it was a bug or not, that sounds like the worst case scenario when it comes to puzzles in a game. To me, that says that 
it didn't tell the player well of how this is done. You know, if you're, if you're feeling like this is a bug, that's a, a big con in a puzzle game, in my opinion. Is that, did it feel like that? Huge con. And this is one of the things that happened in the first two weeks. And so I'll be upfront about it. There were bugs when it was released. There was a time where you'd go into a, what looks like a 712 instead of 711, but it looks like a you know a little convenience store. Oh, nice. And, and then you would talk to the clerk and all the dialogue and the writing was in Chinese. And I was like, no. And so you, then you're stuck going like, well, maybe this dialogue is critical to the story, like many of the other dialogues. Wait, and so my instinct is that the shop person just is Chinese and that you can't understand them. No, because all of the other dialogue is in English. And at the beginning of the game, you choose between English or Chinese. Oh, and so yeah, yeah. And there, I think there's one more language. So I couldn't play it. I mean, I literally had to stop. I wrote, I reached out to the developers and they were actually super cool. They're like, no, that's a bug and we're working on it. And within a few days it was fixed. But oh, wow. that okay. was my that was my first experience. And I was I was kind of upset, but I was more upset that I'd gotten like 30 minutes in and was enjoying it. And then I found that bug. And uh, so, you know, it was kind of this bittersweet thing that I had to wait a few days. But after that, I didn't have any problems. So but then moving forward, like you said, there, there were times where I'd get to a tough spot and I would go, man, is this is this a bug? And then I would figure it out. But there was one specifically that I, I didn't know and I had to look it up and it was like, oh, no, you're you're just an idiot. You weren't solving that puzzle correctly. So so when you looked it up, did you feel like it, it was on you or was it on the developer? On me, 100 percent. Yeah. Oh, interesting. OK, nice. Get better at games, Nick. Tell me about it. Yeah. Some of these puzzle games, they really they really get me. They get me also, to think differently. Also learn to speak Chinese because you wouldn't have to stop your momentum like that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'll just take the blame for that one, actually. So for the listener, be good at puzzles and speak Chinese and you're going to fly through this game with flying. Colors. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. So, Nick, let's speak to the adventure aspects. Was there combat? I know sometimes there's you work some combat into these games. Was it all just adventure? Was it dialogue? Is it RPG like like beyond the puzzles? What does this gameplay look like? So there were some slight areas of combat. But similar to Nine Witches, it was very minimal. It was kind of a, you know, a mechanic that was just pushed in there. Uh, some of those mechanics even looked like using other machinery or switches to maybe destroy something or block someone or get in the way. So a, a type of combat, I would say, but also puzzly. But mainly, it was mainly exploration, kind of adventure, certain types of I mean, very, very minimal type of combat, not just full-fledged, you know, fighting people. What does the uh, dialogue look like? Is it a, is, you know, branching trees? Is it just linear? How do, how do you communicate and do you have choice in this game? Uh, no choice other than you have a choice of who you speak to, but you don't get to choose uh, like this or that on, on an option, yes or no. There's, there's not, a, you know, trees where it'll branch off and take you down a different road by answering a certain question. There's just a ton of dialogue. And this is one of the aspects that I really enjoyed. The story, I think, is is one of the most enjoyable aspects. If you love story here, the uh, the game takes place in twenty one forty, and it's a time where humans and robots they coexist, but not so peacefully. And it's interesting. There's it's quite a large backstory that they've built out that they don't even fully introduce into the game. Like you have to kind of go through and read some of the lore that's completely optional. Like it's not even a thing that you have to do. 
And you read all of it, didn't you? Oh, all of it. Yeah. All (laughs) of it. So it's like currently there's, uh, it's almost like a, and it's funny that we're just in crazy political times, but it's like this, they just touch on it. It's not like a big thing that there's a a human running against robot for like what they would have as the president. And they give some backstory in in the year 2057. uh, There was a truce signed between the humans and the robots. And essentially what happened is the robots almost initiated a nuclear war. And in this treaty, they came to an agreement. They created the source code agreement between robots and humans. And it allowed the humans to program into all the robots coding that would not allow them to hurt people. And so there's like this crazy backstory about how humans and uh, robots don't get along and there's you know historical context and an agreement they came to but despite all of that there's still this tension in the streets uh, you walk by and someone might say oh that, that's a robot watch out or that's a human we can't trust the humans and like it's very much this kind of intricate relationship between everyone in the society and it's it's kind of makes it kind of twisted wow so when you're explaining that and i, it, I don't know if this is meant by the the writers of the game but it's like reminiscent of how a lot of countries today have kind of nuclear stalemates where, you know, you both have nuclear weapons and you could both, you know, any moment wipe each other out. I mean, this is the Cold War. And the way I hear you describe that is, you know, the robots could wipe out humans, obviously, through, you know, nuclear weapons, as you described. And then the humans can wipe out robots through this source code. And like, that's just a, such a cool mirror of how modern geopolitical situations are happening now and how hap- and how they have happened and it's a cool and again I could be taking a t- I could be taking a ton of liberties here and reading into that but that's kind of well, at least when you explain that to me that's what I hear yeah no and that's true and it, it, there's actually more context that that there there was a war uh, and then the war got so bad that there was kind of like this stalemate this cold war for a little bit and then there was the the top escalation where uh, a, a robot known as the prophet he was the first artificially intelligent robot he kind of they use the wording he uh, awoken he just yeah. came to his own and and was the first robot to you know make decisions for his own and uh the prophet he's the one who almost set that off and that's kind of what what kicked the uh, uh the treaty into into place everyone realized that they were all going to be dead if they didn't do something so yeah there's a ton of context a ton of story and and again i like that you didn't have to necessarily know these things to play the game. They they simply added to the overall environment and, and experience between the people you interact with. Uh, and so it's really cool when you meet someone, you can then go into the menu and there's like a like a character file. There, there will be character files, life cases. You can like look back on old cases that you were a part of. Uh, Starlight City is the city that you're in. They give you like a whole history background on that. There's news. And so you can go through and read all about every character. And it just kind of really, it gives you this like whole, oh, okay, that makes sense. I know that character. I know why they're acting like that. Um, And now I know why everyone's kind of being jerks to robots and vice versa. So yeah, when it comes to the, the amount of work that they put into the story, um, it, it was fantastic. And then jumping into kind of the main story, there was a really cool TV show uh, that came out, I don't know, a couple of years ago with, I want to say Kevin Bacon, but it was called, it was called The Following. Okay. Uh, I haven't heard of it. I've heard of Kevin Bacon though. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he plays a, a detective called Ryan Hardy and him and this uh, serial killer, Joe Carroll, they have like this sick connection, right? And we see this in a lot of uh, dark criminal movies where 
somehow the good detective has this dark side and he can relate to the killer. And, and so there's like this really twisted boondock saints. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. So there's this relationship where the killer, which is uh, NOA, uh, I don't know if, if it's just NOA or if it's pronounced like Noah, he's this serial killer who like started this cult and did all these super crazy, just sickening murders where he would like cut humans and robots up and mold them together into like statues and art. And he did all these killings for decades and then just disappeared. And before he disappeared, him and Rex had gotten into it. Rex was shot and fatally wounded. And that's why Rex is half robot, half human. So anyways, all that long-winded, there's this kind of connection between him and the killer. All of a sudden, there's a murder scene and it's like, oh, he's back. He's back. After a decade, he's back. In a way, is back. I'm Rex. Yeah, and in a way is a... uh, is a rapper. It sounds like a rapper's name. he, He is a rapper from Tokyo in the future. Uh, he, <laughs> and he also likes picture, to murder people yes yeah in weird ways his picture is a uh, like a plague doctor with oh. the bird mask and yeah. uh, so you don't ever see him but he, he's kind of creepy so yeah anyways the main story is you're you keep t- kind of you keep trying to track down this killer and he's leaving clues for you and he's messing with you and you have to solve puzzles to get to new areas and you have to find clues that unlock certain parts of the crime scene uh, and so it's i mean it's really cool at, at one point you just take a weird twist and you play as your cat you have a cat that just kind of roams around your apartment it seems, and uh, is that a good twist or a bad twist because that sounds like it's gonna like completely slow momentum in my opinion yeah and so this was this was in the beginning of the game you essentially are your cat so that you can get to another side of a building and unlock the door for rex but to do that you have to get through all these half human or half cat half uh uh, robot cats in the future and there's like this whole cat mafia uh, oh, and you have to yeah you have to yeah it's it was kind of funny but uh it was like almost taking the detective work that you were doing and then doing the same thing in a scene with a cat and so there was some like funny dialogue in that they're, they're obviously making fun of like cats and the fact that you're a cat and you're talking and was so, there was there a god further there was there so i'm trying to i don't have wait are you serious because i'm dead serious yeah there was there was a mob he was like the family cat he was the head of that family and he made all the decisions and he had cat bodyguards that stood you know next to him and i'm this may be like my that's my greatest work i think the coining the term god further god further you you should coin that if it's not coined already yeah but anyways is is this before or after you had to learn chinese this was after. Okay. Yeah. So you picked, but still in the beginning of the game. Yeah. Uh, that's, so that added to it. It sounds like you liked this, this uh, change up in gameplay. Yeah, they did. There were a couple of interactions with your, with your cat, uh, you know, without giving too much away. They don't really talk about it, but you come to find out just through like off dialogue that Rex is like an alcoholic. There's times that, like you'll finish a mission. You'll just wake up hungover in your apartment. One day you wake up and like, there's just like 50 cats in your house and they're all like eating catnip and like partying and stuff. And they've destroyed your house. Oh, wow. And so he's just kind of like, what? what's going on here? Why did, why did you do this? So it sounds like very classic detective, like doesn't have his own stuff together and he's just stumbling through his work, but he's really talented. It's, it's yep. kind of the tried and true de- detective story. Yeah. And it rings a lot of those bells. It, you know, you, you kind of connect with that and you're like, oh, this is a, this is all oh, Rex. Rex the alcoholic. Rex. You know? and so, in a way. Uh, yeah. And the cat is William, just a total cat name. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. William. But yeah, that's the the main story. And, and of course, you're chasing down this uh, killer. It gets really weird. 
I mean, some of the murder scenes are pretty grotesque. Obviously, it's pixelated. So was it over the top? Did it feel right for the story? Did it feel right for the setting? Did it did it make sense? Yeah, it did. They were all, you know, very cult like murders. As I mentioned previously, a lot of the murders ended up being half human, half robot killing and, and the bodies would be mashed together. And like any cult murder scene, you know, there's blood that paints out like a, you know, upside down star or whatever, everything that, you know, cult leaders do. And so it, it felt right for the story and they're pretty grotesque, but I think it's, it's, you know, there's a little mildness to it because it's pixelated. Sure. So yeah. It's, it's not like you're getting this grotesque, like gut check where you have to close your eyes. I mean, it's, it's pretty doled down, but, but yeah, I would also say that, you know, maybe it's not for 12 year olds. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's some, some graphic stuff to it. Right on. Okay. So Nick, do you have anything else you want to address before we go into you scoring this? No, not really. Just that, uh, maybe touching, I guess a little bit on the, uh, some of the puzzle mechanics, uh, just have to do with hacking doors, rewiring certain types of hardware and kind of rearranging unique properties. So Kind of like, uh, you know, if you played Beyond a Steel Sky, you don't quite get a hacker, but there are just areas where you come to doors and you're able to hack them and you have to solve puzzles that way. So it's very like future oriented hacking, stuff like that makes for a, you know, kind of an intriguing puzzle mechanic. It's pretty common in those cyberpunk games, right? Hacking, that's, that's pretty much always present now. Hackers. So Nick, hit me with some pros, some big pros, some big cons, and then I want to hear the score. Yeah, obviously some of the big cons up front were the bugs. And so, you know, I definitely want to be honest about it and say that it's frustrating when any developer releases a game that's not in a a final state. Uh, I think we can, you know, all look at cyberpunk right now and look at how damaging this can be to a community. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That being said, you know, like I'm not a game developer, so I, I tend to have a little bit of grace over guilt when it comes to this. And I reached out to them and they responded like to me. uh, And yeah. And they were like, no, we're, we're doing this. And I was like, okay, cool. Hey, I really like your game. Can I ask these kind of questions too? And they answered some of my questions about the game being developed or published by them instead of Zodiac. So yeah, they were really cool. That would be one of the cons. And mainly just the fact that I had to not play it for a few days was really irritating because I was I was just expecting that to play this game. Other than that, I, I didn't have... I didn't really have too many cons. The when it comes to the story and, and everything that I mentioned up front that I'm super biased about, it just nailed all of those for me. It, I mean, it really did. Other than the bugs up front and the fact that it kind of placed this thought in my head that maybe some of the other interactions were bugs, uh, that was really the main con. And you know, like I said, though, that was somewhat easy for me to get over. The pros would definitely be. You know, for me, the dialogue was fantastic. And if you love lore and you love digging into little things like that and, and seeing the hard work and appreciation for developers writing story and stuff like that, I think you'll find some of that in here and you'll really enjoy it. And then again, if you're biased like I am towards the pixel art and you love it, I, I think this is probably a, a must play for you for the price. And I do want to mention that I, you know, I can't confirm it, but from what I was watching, it looks like there is a completely different ending on the mobile than the Steam version. So I don't know if Zodiac's going to go back and release something, but that part, and this is actually how I discovered this, at the end is where I thought it was a bug. And I had to look it up and I watched gameplay on Steam and the game just ends like way before the spot that I got to. And so there's Uh. actual some extra footage in the mobile game. 
Oh, and okay. So, cool. so yeah, they kind of add like a new ending to it. Two years later, they have a little bit more development time and add some more onto it. That's cool. Okay. I was yeah. wondering, are yeah. you getting the inferior version or the superior version when it comes to mobile? Su- yeah. Superior. So and it's cheaper uh, too, three ninety nine. Yeah. And so that's kind of the point I was getting to is I might have something different to say if I'm paying, uh, what was the, the steam price was 15, like, six, like 15 yeah. or 16 99. Yeah. I, I would probably have a different saying, or I would word my experience a little bit differently, but you said it was three ninety nine. Now it was four ninety nine when I pre-ordered it, but five bucks on my iPad to be able to just be sucked into this story in in this whole art direction that I love. It was great. So I'll just come out and say like I'm super biased on all the things this game offered. It just spoke to me from from the get go. So uh, cons, bugs, uh, pros, pixel art. If you like detective mystery murder stuff, you'll love this. If you like puzzle mechanics, you'll like this. Yeah, hit, that's, hit how me, I, that's how I feel about that. Hit me with that score, Nick. Oh man. Here, do you want me to guess what I think you have? At least how you've described it. Because right now, to me, you have described the only con, really, I've heard you say are bugs. And in my opinion, it sounds like they're worked out. So when we release this review to our listeners, they won't encounter these bugs. So I, no. I'm forgiving of those bugs, not even playing it yet. You didn't have much more, many more cons. So to me, this is falling around a four right now. Yes. And so the only, the only reason I have any hesitation is and I guess we can flesh this out real quick. Maybe you can, can kind of help flesh this out. For me, it's a four. That was my experience, a hundred percent. I think that there may be some other people who don't have the biases that I have that play this and don't give it a four. But for me, when I look at the cost, the whole experience on the iPad, everything that it offered, I mean, it was well worth the time. It was it was impressive, and they put a lot of work into it. I think for a pixelated mobile game so yeah no and i think that's that's a good clarifier because you know you describe all this stuff and at the end of the day i'm I'm not a big adventure pixel art game guy it's just not my that's not that's not what i like to play so to me i hear you say a four out of five and i go hey that sounds good i i might try it but i think when you just when you clarify it if you're into this genre, you know, if you like pixel art games and whatnot, this is a four out of five. And I think that's fair. I think that's a, that's a understandable clarification. Yeah. And I think there's always nuance to rating games and playing. And I, I think it's good to flesh these out because uh, we gave, I, I gave beyond a still sky a four on the iPad for a completely different reason. Like, Yes, I thought it was a great game. And yes, the story and dialogue were amazing. But I feel like that game really stretched the boundaries in, in like any game that we have available on mobile, uh, you know, aside from most recently Genshin Impact, it really pushed the limits in the sense of like, wow, I'm playing, this is a mobile game? Like, really? Whereas this game didn't really have that. It just had fantastic dialogue. It had fantastic, if, if you're a lover of this genre, I think you'll just absolutely love this game. It'll be a, a four- out of five for you, no doubt. Wow, your dog just farted or burped or something. It did. She's actually, and she's not. She's not sorry about it at all. Was that she's a fart a or a, a burp? That was a fart. Yeah, that was a real fart. You see her just staring at you. Yeah. Wow. So Nick, that's a that's a Bush League gaming four out of five for Tales of the Neon Sea. You feel good about that? Yeah, I do. I, I uh, if there was only any other con, it would be that there's not a second one or a third one or you know another one for me to play yet. So. Wow. All right. I'm hoping they put another one out. You heard it here first. Nick wants a sequel. 
All right, listener. All right, Nick. Thanks for that review. Uh, upcoming reviews. If there's anything you want us to play, let us know. You can let us know on Twitter at BushLeagueGMNG for me and at Nick A. Beard. You can email us BushLeagueGames at gmail.com. This is all in the description of this episode. Website is BushLeagueGaming.com. Patreon is Patreon.com slash BushLeagueGaming. We have a, a fun little tier one perk there now. The merch store is live. That's BushLeagueGaming.com slash store. Get your hoodies, get your hats, get your t-shirts, get your leggings. Nick, this was fun. Thanks for reviewing it. No, it was fun. And if you enjoy MOBA games, I, I recommend picking it up if you're into any of those things we mentioned. All right. We'll see you next week. Tune in. Catch you later. See ya. Bye. Bye. Unfortunately, I have no chest hair.